This is the podcast by the Straits Times. Chris, thanks for picking us up. My pleasure. How are you guys? Good. Good. Wow, lovely car. Did you just pick it up? Yeah, I did. Just this morning. So what I uh, have on is the electric sports sound here, which I can select. If I hadn't selected this, uh, you would probably hear next to nothing, uh, because you know electric motors are inherently very, very silent. Um, there's very little uh, contact, uh, no pistons, uh, no combustion, no tailpipes. So all you hear when we get along uh, right now is probably the road noise. It is July the 2nd and today the Green Pulse team is hitting the road. Electric vehicles have been in the news of late as the government tries to get people to make the switch. So today, we thought we'll take an EV for a spin and find out more about them from Christopher Tan, ST Senior Transport Correspondent. Chris, tell us more about this vehicle. Right, so this is the Porsche Taycan 4S. It has um, 390 kilowatt of power and 640 newton meters of torque. It goes from zero to 100 in four seconds. And I can tell you that it feels a lot quicker than that because for electric vehicles, the torque comes instantly. Uh, there is no lag at all because there's very little uh, loss to the traditional transmission that we have. So the drive of the motor goes directly to the wheels. So tell us Chris, what are the things that you look out for when you're test driving an EV? Pretty much uh, what we look out for in most other cars, um, combustion or hybrids or electric, we, we look for build quality, we look for features, that makes driving and being in a car more comfortable and, you know, effortless. We look for ride comfort, handling. Uh, we look for power, you know, how much power the car has. And of course, we look for the emotional link that the car has with us when we are driving on the road, going down the road. Uh, electric vehicles have been accused of uh, being unemotional, cold, clinical, because, you know, they're so efficient. Uh, there's no sound to it. Uh, but this Porsche actually um, does it quite well. I mean, you can tell with this function called electric sports sound, uh, when it's on, you can hear the sound of the car. It's synthesized, but it actually responds to your throttle inputs. The harder you drive, the louder it gets, the sportier it sounds, right? Uh, so, yeah. So what we look for in an electric vehicle is also range. We want to be able to drive a decent number of kilometers before the battery needs recharging. Now, this car will do about 400 clicks. That's about a week, I suppose, right? That's about a week's worth of driving. I think most of us uh, clock about 50 a day, uh, if not less. And um, yes, so when, when it's time to charge, and the thing is that uh, also how fast it charges, we look for things like how quickly the onboard charger allows you to juice up. Uh, some cars will have a very uh, low 
powered uh, onboard charger so it, it doesn't matter if you find yourself with a high powered charger out there because the, the car will allow only a certain amount of current to flow into its battery and that will determine how long you have to wait for the battery to be fully charged. Yeah, yeah. so I guess electric vehicles have been around for a while now so um, so what are the differences in technology um, you know, that have evolved? I guess it's quite a fast evolving segment. Yes, I think the, the most dramatic change we've seen in recent decade or so uh, would be batteries. Batteries are getting lighter and uh, energy density has gone up and uh, also their ability to retain their charge and resistance to degradation, which is a worry for most EV owners. Uh, uh, you know, it's something that we are all familiar with, right? We have our phones, laptops, uh, they work fine when they are brand new and, and, and you know, all that, the, the promised uh, time of talk, uh, conversation, time of operation, it's all there. But after a while, maybe a year or two, we find that, you know, our phone no longer holds the charge as well as when it was brand new. The same thing goes with electric cars, but the thing with electric cars and the better ones, they have what we call a battery management. And, and this is a, basically a, a, a computer that manages the energy flow in and out of the car and tries to uh, retain the health of the battery so that you know you can have a car's battery that lasts the lifetime of a car. So Chris, you know you mentioned batteries and how uh, an EV is usually heavier because of the battery. Do you, yes. Is that something that you can noticeably feel while you're on the drive? Um, not really, not really. There are sometimes maybe the, the, the right characteristics of car. Uh, you know, the suspension setup has to be stiffer to uh, compensate for the heavier weight. Um, but other than that, I think most people will not notice it because the power uh, for most of the electric vehicles are more than adequate to compensate for the weight. Technology aside, we've also seen in Singapore a governmental push to get people to switch to EVs uh, and in, this includes you know, dangling more attractive rebates. So based on your reporting, how are the motorists here responding to this? Well, I think it's, uh, it's slow, it's still slow. You know, it took us, um, you know, for hybrids, hybrid vehicles which are vehicles with a small motor pad with a combustion engine um, they have been around for close to 30 years and yet they make up uh, less than seven percent of our car population right 30 years seven percent um, the push now for electric vehicles it's uh, a lot harder a lot more earnest um, the rebates being offered much higher but still, I think you will find that uh, overall cost of running an electric vehicle versus that of a hybrid or a pure combustion engine car uh, is it, going to be higher because no matter what the tax rebates are given, um, some or pretty much quite a bit of it is clawed back in terms of road tax. Road tax for electric vehicles is still pretty high despite the latest uh, revision, right? And there is also a one-time um, fixed component charge, which is meant, to, um, which is designed to uh, offset the loss in petrol duty revenue, because electric vehicles do not fill up 
and so they do not incur petrol duty. And petrol duty actually is a huge contributor to our revenue. And what what is done with electric vehicles is that they slap on this additional tax, uh, this additional component to your road tax, and you incur it every every year. And that kind of uh, offsets, you know, the savings that you have um, by not filling up. So that I think will have to be relooked. Uh, that has to be examined to see, you know, uh, if it can be done away with. Uh, if it can be done away with, and also if charging rates, especially charging rates at public charges, uh, those rates are easily twice the rate that you pay at home, right? Uh, that is also going to influence your overall running cost, overall ownership cost of an EV. So these, all these considered, I think if you look at the, the Streets Times EV supplement uh, two weeks ago, uh, there's a table that tells you exactly how much an EV will incur over the course of 10 years. Uh, that has to come down a bit more. Uh, the differential is still about 10 20% between an EV and a petro, uh, an equivalent petrol car. In your recent supplement on EVs, you did speak to some people who have switched early on before, I mean, before we see the charging points roll out, before we see both ICE and EVs reaching price parity. What made them make the switch? Like, is it purely because of environmental reasons? Yes, quite a lot of it is uh, environmental, right? I think the, uh, some of these people are really uh, sincerely concerned about their carbon footprint, right? And uh, they want to do their part, you know, to, to be more... Uh, you know, or to be less carbon intensive. And I think um, these people are also, uh, on the other hand, attracted by new technology. You know, you find that a lot of Tesla owners, for instance, are attracted to the Tesla's uh, uh, software, you know, the, the ability to uh, update over the air, you know, all the gadgets, you know, the, the ludicrous mode that allows you to, you know, charge ahead. Uh, all the uh, um, uh, terms like autopilot, which is actually a, a misnomer because it's actually not autopilot, right? It's just merely a driving assistance that most other cars have. Uh, but people are sold into that. They buy into that and they say, oh, I want a Tesla because, you know, it's hip, it's high tech, and it's got Elon Musk, right? Uh, and uh, pretty much the same goes with other EVs, right? Uh, people want to be the first. I think there's some appeal in that. They want to be driving up uh, to a cocktail party in a, in a spanking new electric vehicle uh, that very few other people have. Uh, so there's the novelty, right? And uh, besides, so besides these two uh, considerations, there are also people who live on landed properties and it makes sense for them to buy an electric vehicle because charging is going to be so much easier because they, they just uh, fix a wall uh, charger on their driveway and, and, you know, whenever they go home and they find that the battery is low, they just plug in. So Chris, what about those who didn't make the switch or have not done so yet? Uh, yes. What do you think are some of the obstacles? And secondly, uh, what do you think are some of the common perceptions or perhaps misconceptions about EVs? I think uh, there are a number of factors that uh, kind of uh, make people hesitant. One, of course, is cost. As, as mentioned, uh, prices of EVs are still 10 to 20% higher 
over the course of 10 years. Uh, the next would be uh, availability of charging points. If you don't live near a charging point, if you don't live on a landed property and you don't live near a charging point, uh, charging is going to be quite a pain. The other thing is availability of cars. Uh, right now, the cars are coming in, right? Uh, we have a lot more choices today than, say, two years ago. But still, uh, it's not uh, uh, as widely available as, say, hybrids or pure combustion engine cars. Um, the other thing would be the fear of the unknown. I think Singaporeans, or anybody else for that matter, are afraid of what they don't know. Uh, they are not sure how long an electric vehicle might last. Uh, they are not sure what the resale value might be because you know it's still a very small population and uh, being a small population uh, resale is, is it's, it's going to be difficult because you're going to find you have to find someone who is like-minded who wants an, an electric car and who has available charging and also all these things add up uh, as, as a kind of a barrier to um, the widespread adoption. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. Because we've been driving uh, around for a while now and it's probably time just to charge up the, uh, the battery a little bit. So we're coming into a Shell and Shell has a network of um, uh, fast chargers. Mm -hmm. um, so this is applicable to most car models here that uh, you yes. can charge up here? Yes, so the Shell network has uh, fast chargers, uh, 50 kilowatt chargers. Um, they will charge up most cars um, fairly quickly. Uh, like I said earlier, you do not have to charge from 0 to 100 all the time. Uh, all you need is, you know, a couple of, or maybe 100 kilometers on your, on your range. And you're good to go for another couple of days. Uh, and you have a little bit more time, maybe you can charge up to 200 kilometers. So for this car and for this charging point, to get an extra 100 kilometers of range, how long would that take? For this car, I think it will take uh, less than an hour. Less than an hour. I think uh, probably 40, 45 minutes. So you could just drop the car off here. Uh, we, we happen to be at Serangoon Garden, so um, you can just do your shopping or have yeah. a quick bite to eat and come back. And yeah, it's right next to the uh, Serangoon Gardens Market Food Centre. Right, you, it's a stroll away. And then uh, if you feel like it, you can walk into Serangoon Gardens where you have a choice of cafes, you have a supermarket, and uh, yeah, you can do lots of things here. And, and you'll notice that most charges are strategically located in places like this. Uh, they, are not, they are never located in places where, you know, out in the boondocks and there's nothing to do. Um, so the choice of location of their charges are quite well thought out. Um, so yeah, so even in, uh, in, the, in the station itself, you have a convenience store, right? Uh, I think in pre-COVID days, you could uh, have a coffee in there. Hmm. Right, so shall we uh, yes, let's go out and see what we let's can charge do with this car? So basically, uh, we have a charging port here and it's a motion sensor. 
right? Put your hand here and uh, you lift and then you're good to go. And over here at the charger, uh, it is a Green Lots app. You can download the app on your phone. You know, you key in uh, how much you want to charge and it'll tell you the rest, right? Type two, right? Type two is what most electric vehicles can take, including this Porsche, right? How do you pay? On you your, pay on your phone. Oh, on so your phone. you pay before and then you just yeah. come in. So, and then you just slot it in, right? And uh, if all's well, the thing will start flowing and you will have a light blinking here. Right, once you're done, you just pull it out. Uh, by the way, when the car is charging, you can't pull it out. Yeah, yeah. It has to be completely, uh, you know, yeah. Okay. And then you put the nozzle back and you're done. Well, what about this car, this, this Porsche? I mean, yeah, so, so even a very sporty brand like Porsche has embraced electrification. Uh, so it tells us that the future is quite certain. We are headed towards that, you know. Uh, we are headed towards an electrified future. Mm. Because, you know, for many decades now, we, we've been talking about climate change. We've been talking about limited resources. You know, we've been talking about the environmental impact that oil drilling and uh, exploration has uh, on on, on the oceans as well as uh, inlands. Um, um, you know, even in gas exploration, we have uh, issues about fracking, you know. So all these uh, concerns have to be addressed. And 77% of the energy that goes into a car uh, is converted into motion, right, compared to 20 to 30 percent for a combustion engine cars, especially uh, you know in, in in big cities like Singapore, where everything is very densely uh, developed and people live very close to each other, very and, and very close to the road. For instance, uh, you see the houses along this road, just just right next to the road. So imagine the impact of traffic if all these vehicles ran on electricity instead of uh, you know petrol or diesel, right? First, you're going to notice the air is going to be f smelling a lot fresher. Secondly, you're going to, you know, notice that it's a much more quiet environment, right? Um, your quality of life is going to improve. Well, that's a wrap for Greenhouse and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. For more on climate change and the environment, do check out our stories in The Straits Times. And don't forget to subscribe to our Green Pulse podcast series on your favourite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.